Buckle up, ladies and gentlemen, because you are listening to Gridiron Guys featuring Taylor and Dom at our sports desk here at CM Life, the number one sports reporting paper for CMU football in Mount Pleasant. This is Gridiron Guys, the Central Michigan Life Sports Podcast. Uh, my name is Taylor DeSormo. I'm the sports editor at Central Michigan Life. To my right is Dominic Masterangelo, a staff writer for the football team. How's it going, Dom? It's going well. Cubs won last night. Yes, they did. Very happy about that. No like, doubt. Um, Central Michigan did not win last week, though. Uh, no. Quite, quite an interesting game with Western Michigan. We'll talk a little bit more about that. We'll look forward to the Buffalo preview coverage. We've got some interesting stuff coming up with that. And then... Um, yeah, lastly, just look around the Mac, see kind of what's going on, um, some interesting games, maybe, maybe not so interesting games this week, so we'll take a look at that as well. Um, let's just start off with your, your instant reaction of the Western Michigan game. Well, it's less than instant, because here we are a few days later, but I can tell you what my instant reaction was, and that was, wow, what a game. I mean, it was a shootout, it was the highest scoring game, as we've reported, uh, and a lot of people have, in uh, CMU-WMU history, um, and it was just very back and forth. It's just very interesting to me that a game that was so back and forth came down to that final drive orchestrated by Western Michigan quarterback Zach Terrell, who was masterful on that 13-play, what was it, 75-yard drive um, to seal the game. And you got to go uh, give credit to Coach P.J. Fleck out there in Kalamazoo uh, for just going to his best player when he needed to and sealing the game, really putting it out of the reach for Bonamigo or any comeback at all. Yeah, it lasted 8 minutes and 24 seconds that final Western Michigan drive. What do you think was the problem with the CMU defense there? Well, they were pretty banged up uh, senior linebacker Tim Hamilton wasn't in the game. Kayvon Frazier had taken a pretty big hit that I'm still not convinced he totally recovered from from the rest of the game. Um, they were down a linebacker and Nathan Ricketts, who was ejected from the game for targeting during the first half. I mean, he was a banged-up and worn-down defense that really got pretty blown over by Daniel Braverman, uh, Dravion Franklin, and several of the uh, the Western Michigan playmakers. Yeah, no doubt. And with, with Ricketts going out in the first half, that means he won't have to miss time this week. Is that correct? Correct. Just like with Mitch Stanizek in during the Syracuse game, that happened during the first half, so the second half counts as the half that you have to sit out in college football. So Chippewa fans saw Jarvin Franklin run right over the Chippewa defense, especially in that final drive in the fourth quarter. Um, hopefully with Ricketts back, that won't happen this week against Buffalo, but what have you heard about Tim Hamilton, and what is the likeliness that he'll be back in a uniform this weekend? He had an MRI scheduled for Tuesday. I'm still not sure what the results are of that. We're, we're working on it as of right now, Wednesday afternoon. Um, but, I was, but after the game, he was in a sling, and he's been in a sling for this week. So here's, here's my gut feeling about it. If it wasn't that big a deal and he was going to play this weekend, they wouldn't have gotten an MRA. Um, he probably will miss some time this weekend. I don't expect him to start. Um Frankly, it's the kind of thing where they got to be as careful with that kind of injury as you possibly can. It's a shoulder slash possibly pectoral thing. Um, and for a linebacker, that's the point of contact in almost every play. So um, it's the kind of thing where they want to be careful with it, but they also hope that he can come back soon because this defense um, has been banged up all year. Joe Osman just recently returned in the Western game after missing almost a month um, with an ankle injury. Blake Serpa was, was hurt for the opener. Um, so if this defense can get help, it's proven that he can play well. The secondary, Kayvon Frazier, Tony Anise, Josh Cox, even though he got burned on that last play of the game um, at Western. Um, if they're all healthy and if they're all executing the way that they should be, um, we got a good defense here. It's just hard to tell right now. So if you're Coach Bonamigo and let's say Hamilton is questionable this weekend, 
How much? How important is this Buffalo game? That do, do they need everyone they can get out there, especially looking forward to the next couple of weeks? How important is this game? I would say relative to Hamilton's injury, it almost doesn't matter. I think because it just happened in the last game, um, you, you want to be more, you want to err on the side of caution. Now, if it's two or three weeks from now, you know, say he's still not better by the Toledo game, that's maybe when you think about okay, how do you really feel, that kind of thing. Um, but in terms, if you're asking how important this Buffalo game was, I mean, they're all important. This one especially is uh, based on a loss. You don't want to lose two straight games again. You know, they've done that before. Um, and anytime you lose more than one in a row in the conference, you start flirting with your season being over well before the, the race really gets started. So it's a winnable game for CMU. I don't want to call it a must win because if they do lose, it's still possible that they'll be able to make a run. Um, they're just going to need some help. Yeah, no doubt. So I think you look at the first half of the season, the the dreadful first six games are finally over. A lot of tough teams, Michigan State, Oklahoma State, Syracuse, Northern Illinois, and Western Michigan. They, they win one of those five. Um, two and four doesn't really look too pretty, but I think, um, would you say that you're you're satisfied? Should Chippewa fans be sat- satisfied with two and four? Overall, I would say yes. Um, the, the most, the, the, the best sign that I've seen this season was that one over NIU. And, yes, I know the weather was a factor. I know that NIU couldn't get it out of its own way. Um, but CMU capitalized on mistakes, and they played well enough to win a huge conference game at home. CMU's played well at home. That's why I think they'll beat Buffalo this weekend. I know I just gave away my prediction a little bit. Um, we'll get to that later in the show. Don't we? Well, they only have – well, this is the last Saturday home game of the year. Um, they got one more at home against Toledo on a Tuesday night. That's by far looking like what's going to be the biggest um, game of the year. I'm just interested to see kind of how they respond after a loss and having to come right back home, um, losing that Western game the way they did. Yeah. All right, Dom, I got a question for you. Okay. The the infamous name of Dan Enos. Uh, we always like to talk about him a little bit, see how he's doing as a coach. But what do you think CMU's record would be right now Jeez. if Dan Enos was the head coach of this team? You think they'd be better, worse, about the same? What do you think? Um, I think that the play calling would be different, obviously. I think the philosophy would be different. I think the support for the team would be different. And I think none of those things individually add up to a win. But I think the combination of things, um, there's something to be said for momentum. There's something to be said for a culture and an attitude and how that that can breed success. I'm not sure the record would be much different, but I think that people might not feel as good about a 2-4 and four record, mm-hmm. um, especially because he'd be, he'd be in, what, his sixth year at that point. So, um no, no, I don't think the record would necessarily be different, but I do think the feeling around the team would be. So you say all these things would be different. How would they look different? What do you, do you, what do you think is different from Bonamigo compared to Enos now oh, that we've boy. had the season to kind of look at it? Well, it's, it's an interesting dynamic because you had someone who very clearly was not interested in promoting this program at all um, and really the worthiness of mid-majors as a whole, you know, the Mid-American Conference and similar conferences. I mean, this was a stepping stone for him to, to his next job. And, look, that happens all the time in the MAC and all over the country. You know, coaches go from places to places. Um, but Bonamigo from day one, since the day he was hired, he talked about how this was his dream job. He talked about how much he loves this place. I mean, again, he doesn't get paid Bonamigo to be the rah-rah, fire-up trips guy, but he still chooses to be. Well, he does get paid for that. He gets some money for promotional and television appearances, but... 
So do Dino's. Yeah. And we get the feeling, do you think the Bonamigo enjoys this program more than Daniels does? Well, it definitely seems like it, a higher priority. But why does it seem that way? Because he's going out, he's eating pizza with students in residence halls, not dorms. Right, nobody pays him, nobody pays Don Bonamigo to eat pizza in residence halls with, with students, in my opinion. That comes out of his pocket? I think so, yeah. I think so, okay. I think it's really interesting because... I'm sure Eno's cared about this university and all that, but he was more worried about getting the job. He cared, he, he cared about this university when he was here, as yeah. so as it affected his life, too. He wanted the program to be successful so that he looked successful. I think John Bonamigo's always cared about this program, even when he was in the NFL and all those other things. Right. CMU is his home. Right. And I think he's kind of shown that, and, and by doing all these things with the, the university and the students and the alumni and all those things, I think, is, I think that's definitely different. Um, He's got fans behind him. Maybe more fans come to the stadium. That helps his bonus. I don't know. Right. Um, if I don't think that's his main motivation, but it can't hurt, you know. Well, no. I mean, anytime you can build a culture of success, any coach in any in any program is going to want to do that. So you have a, a report card coming out. We're at the midpoint. We're at midterm, midweek report, uh, midseason report card. Talking about the coaching staff, what, what grade did you give them? I gave them a C based on a lot of these things we, we've been talking about, culture of the program, discipline, which, again, in the Western game was by far the the least disciplined effort we've seen from the Chippewas, eight penalties for 75 yards. It was a season high in both categories. Um, but really it was, it was a blip on what I believe will be the eventual overall radar because, again, this, this team, outside of the two targeting calls that they've had this year, which, you know, every team has one or two of those during the year. I mean, it's it's a bang-bang play um, in both instances. Um, there aren't really dumb penalties. They're a, fundamentally a sound tackling team. Um, they're not afraid to think outside the box with their play calling. They run screen plays. They go with four wide receiver and five wide receiver sets. This is a more progressive era of CMU football. And um, granted, maybe they have to be with you know a gunslinger quarterback and some legitimate weapons outside. I mean, they have, statistically speaking, a top five tight end in the nation in Ben McCord. So, I mean, you have to just – you have to weigh – when you're evaluating a coaching staff, I think you have to weigh what they have versus what they're doing. And they're doing well enough at this point. However, victories are uh, are what matters in a results-based business. Okay. I was taking a look at your, your different grades for the different parts of the team, and, and the worst one that jumped out at me was an F for the running backs. Um, I'm looking at this schedule or these these numbers. They're 13th in the MAC, which is there's 13 teams in the MAC. Correct. That's not what you want. Um, 124th in college football out of 130 or so. Right. That's with uh, about 93.5 rushing yards per game. Now they had more than that this weekend. I think it was around 160. That was the season high. Yeah. Would you say that this rushing game is fixable? <laughs> that's a million dollar question there. And uh, Bonamigo certainly thinks it does. Uh, the offensive line thinks it is. Um, the general feeling is, I mean, everything is fixable. It's just a matter of can they do it. I'm not sure they can. Yeah, with the tools for it, is with, the I See, I don't think they can. I don't think they have the backs that can seriously run the ball. I mean, Trey Hayes has played pretty darn well for a guy who hasn't even been living in the state of Michigan for more than a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but with, obviously, Salem Valley out for the year, Devon Spaulding, um, now with a serious injury, too. It's just they're running out of options. Depth was an issue at the running back position when the season began, and it just got worse. So I I don't believe that this team is going to be able to totally turn around its run game. Now, who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, looking at the statistics, Jerry Hayes is the leading rusher. He has 59 carries, 228 yards. 
So it averages out about 3.9 yards per carry. That's not really too bad, right? On its face, yes. But some of these runs that you see are not really in timely situations. And he lacks a lot of confidence when it comes to taking the ball to the edge. doesn't necessarily want to take it up the middle like Thomas Rawls was last year. Everyone remembers Thomas. Oh, yeah, he took it to everybody. But looking at Jare Hayes, he, he had the one fumble. I know earlier in the season... I think it was Bonamigo mentioned. Their biggest concern with Hayes was holding on to the football. He's only fumbled it once. Um, Bonamigo talked about how the guy really just came Twice, from by the way, in Western game. Yeah, that was just once in the Western game, wasn't it? Did he put the ball on the ground in some, somewhere earlier? They fumbled, but they might have recovered. <laughs> That's what happened, yeah, yeah. So the one where they lost it, I yeah. think the guy just came from behind and really just hit the ball out. Yeah. kind of reminds me of the Kelvin Johnson play a couple yeah. years ago. But, uh, we won't get into that. Um, are you, do you trust him with the ball? At this point, yes, because I have to. <laughs> There's no one else back there, honestly. He had a, or not Spalding, I'm sorry, Walker. He had a pretty decent game. Martez Walker still, to me, doesn't feel like a dominating running back. I mean, maybe it's a size thing. Maybe it's, again, a confidence thing. I mean, Dre Hayes definitely has the body type. I'm just not sure that he's there mentally because it takes a certain mentality to, to, to run the football. Okay. Yeah, it seems like Martez is kind of like that scat back type. He talks about that. He really just kind of moves around in there, and then if he finds a hole, then he just goes and he can get 5, 10 yards. Right. Jarrett right, Hayes is that guy who's going to pick up those carries. He's going to be the closest thing to, to Tom. To a sturdy running back that we have. Yeah, and if he has two touchdowns, he had a, a pretty decent one that really um, they brought the Jippewas within two last week. And um, it was the timeliest run of his time here. It was. It was. It was right. Just what the Chippewas needed, really. Um, and they have to be helped out by Cooper Rush, right? Well, they have been all year. I mean, you know, he's having a conversation with Gina Guadilli, the running backs and one of the top offensive coaches that the team has. And you know, he said having Cooper out there is like having a coach out there, someone who's just mastered the offense and understands it. And, you know, it's funny because most 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 quarterbacks would flounder in a situation where there's just a complete – Imbalance in terms of what's going on now. You know, seniors offensive coaches say that you know we're just taking what the defense gives us and blah blah blah. blah. I don't buy that at all. I think they know that Cooper can throw the ball and they know that that's really their only hope of gaining legitimate yards down the field. Mm-hmm. So here's an interesting question for you. Cooper Rush has really been tearing it up. He has seven, uh, 1,771 yards through six games. Uh, touchdowns. He has 12 touchdowns, five interceptions. Quarterback rating of 144.9. That's not too bad. So he's 13th in the nation in yards. Uh, let's touchdowns. He's not as high, only with the 12. He's a right. 16th. Okay, so that's not bad. Um, completions. He's got a ton of those. He's a, let's see, sixth in the nation with 155 completions. Uh, completion percentage is pretty high up there, 267.4. Is he? I saw something um, from our friends at the Hustle Belt this week say, asking, is he the best quarterback in the MAC? What would you say to that? I would say no, because that kid, Matt Johnson, at Bowling Green is very good. But other than him, I, I'm, I'm willing to put him at second best in the MAC, yes. Best in the MAC West, then? Definitely best in the MAC West. Okay. I go with that. Yeah, Bowling Green's Matt Johnson actually leads the country with 2,500 yards, which is just ridiculous. He has 19 touchdowns and three interceptions. That's just, that's just kind of spectacular, but... But would you say Cooper Rush is uh, a little better than you anticipated this year, or is he right on par? Uh, I would say he's on the track that I think most people expected him to be. Now, I'm not sure that I expected him to have such a high completion rate. I also didn't expect him to have to throw the ball that, that much this year, too, and I think that's kind of what leads to some distorted numbers in terms of overall offense and what Cooper's been able to do. Um, but he's your, your biggest playmaker on offense, and my gosh, it comes at such a perfect and crucial position. Mm-hmm. You keep seeing a lot of these third and tens, third and nines, third and fourteens. 
Um, I mean, I guess you have to be thankful you have a gunslinger in Cooper Rush. Right. We even saw him running a couple times for some some big first downs last week. Um, I, I guess what do you do differently to – are you happy with what's going on? And what kind of adjustments do you think this Chippewa team needs to make? Basically, just stop the run. You know, I mean, stop they, running or stop the run? Stop the run. Because if they can do that, it'll balance things out and slow the game down, put the ball in Cooper Rush's hands more often, and that is the way you win games. I still contend that if Western would have given up that drive, or even if Switzer would have got, gone down there and gotten a field goal, Cooper would have went, went down the field and won the game. Yeah. I mean, the whole second half, the Chippewa offense, Bracco fans knew what was going to happen the second Cooper Rush touched the ball. Right. They just made their way right down the field, passed it 20 yards, 30 yards, and then got a touchdown. It yep. Was, it was pretty spectacular to watch, and I think that's what made the game so exciting. Yep. Um, passing offense is one of the best in the nation. Uh, the, the, the scoring isn't quite there yet. They're still 11th in the MAC in scoring offense, believe it or not. Even after the highest points uh, ever in the Western Central rivalry, they're still 11th in the MAC. Um, I think that's an interesting stat. The rushing defense, though, they're seventh in the mag. It's, it's like, okay, um, let's see, pe- passing yards allowed. They're actually second in passing yards allowed, so they're, they're doing pretty good against the pass. Maybe that's just because they're playing behind teams and teams are having to run the ball. That's exactly what's happening. The lead. I'm, I'm not really sure how that works, but um, looking at Buffalo, who are, who are their weapons that Chippewa's Chippewa fans need to be watching? See? Quarterback Joe Licata is if Cooper Rush is the second or sort of sorry the first best quarterback in the Mac West and Licata is the second. Um, like guy, the Buffalo is in the East, yeah. What did I say? You said Mac West. Oh gosh, no, yes. Matt Johnson is, is definitely the best quarterback in the East. Okay. Joe Licata is second. Cooper Rush is the best in the West. Yeah, Licata, man, he's been great there for a long time. Just had back-to-back 300-yard passing games. Um, he's a real deal. Now, he lacks some weapons, so sometimes he has to do it with his legs. But, man, Joe Licata is the real deal. I would keep an eye on him. They're running back, too. Is it Anthony Taylor? Yeah, he, he's been coming out hot recently. Had a little bit of a slow start. So, we'll see. You know, that, that Buffalo offense is going to really be looking for a win because Buffalo is truly trying to save their season in Mount Pleasant this weekend. Yeah, because they're all in one. They lost to Bowling Green only by six points. Yeah. 28-22. Yep. Um, I guess that's kind of impressive. The uh, game was at Buffalo, and I don't think the Bowling Green was kind of sleeping on Buffalo, if you ask me. Okay. But Yeah, something interesting looking at the stats is uh, Buffalo was actually first in the MAC in first down defense, so they've only allowed 95 on the season. Um, what does that mean for CMU? You know, it means that they're going to have to stable things out. I mean, they've played well at home, and it's because they've controlled the ball. It's because they've limited the penalties, and they've capitalized on turnovers. If they can do all that against Buffalo, it should be the same result. So Buffalo's 2-3. and three. They've beaten Albany and Florida Atlantic. Lost to Penn State. Lost to Nevada. Lost to Bowling Green. Um, should we – how big is it that they had a week off coming into the, into the Chippewas game this Saturday? Well, Western did, and we saw what they did to us. So, I mean, you know, it, it can go – Either way, you can say, oh, they've had a lot of time to rest, but they've also had some time to gain some rust, too. So so I'm not exactly sure um, what we can expect. I know it's going to be a long trek for that Buffalo team, but CMU has also made a trip to upstate New York, too. So So there's uh, five of us that have been picking these games. Mm -hmm. uh, Evan Chisella, Joe Judd, and Greg Wycliffe. Trying to select the winners here. We were doing pretty good, I think, between the five of us. We only had two wrong picks through the first five weeks uh, Syracuse. Last week uh, was was the issue. We uh, we all went over five. We all picked Central to win, and Western Michigan ended up with the two point victory. Um, what, what do you got this week? Who are you picking? I'm gonna go CMU thirty, Buffalo twenty. Okay. 
Do you think it? Do you think it's a pretty standard pick? Oh yeah. Do you I think, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I think they're what favored by seven or something. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so it's about the reverse of the what they were underdogs against. West Correct. West. Exactly. Being at home last Saturday, home game, like you mentioned, yep. I think that'll that'll help. I think I'm going to pick the Chippewas too. I'm, not, I'm still working out my score. Um, it'll be at least by a touchdown. Yeah. Um, yeah, Lakata is going to be pretty good, but I think this this defense is going to be able to make some stops. I think it's going to be it's going to be a good game though. It's not going to be a blowout by any means. No, no, no. I don't think so, but I do think that it's one that team you will handily win. So are both these teams really playing for their MAC season? I'm more willing to say Buffalo is than CMU is, just because the East is there's such like it's so wide open, you know. Yeah. So a couple players after the Western game, uh, some Central Michigan players talked about how um, nobody wins the MAC West going eight and zero. Right. Um, maybe Toledo, maybe not. It's an interesting question, but um, what do you think? What record is it going to take for the MAC West champion? Is Central Michigan? Do they have to run the table at this point? Can they lose one or two more? They could. I'm thinking they could lose one more. Anything more than that is probably you're going to be done. Especially, and that's assuming they can beat Toledo too. So you're rooting for Western the rest of the way. You're rooting for. Um, maybe not Western. I'm sorry. You're rooting, yeah, you're rooting for NIU. Um, you can be rooting basically for any team you beat, right? I mean, that's that's yeah. the simple math behind it. But I do think Toledo has a pretty good, pretty darn good chance to go undefeated. I, I really, and their November is tough. They got to play NIU, Western, and us. And Bowling Green. And Bowling Green too. Well, that'll be an interesting uh, last month for them. Um, let's look at some of the games going on this week in the MAC. There's really a lot of games that aren't going to be close, in my opinion, um, or ones that won't really matter. We got Kent State, Massachusetts, both East, East um, Akron, and Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. Just roll. Ball State's got out of conference game. They actually played Georgia State. Uh, Ball State's on, on deck for the Chippewas. Yeah. Uh, CMU will be going out to Muncie next week, but Ball State's a 15 point favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, Northern Illinois and Miami. Yeah, man. I bet you're going to be watching that one, right? Oh, yeah. And then um, we have Buffalo and CMU, and then Eastern and Toledo. Now, if Eastern beats Toledo, I might just quit this job because. Right there'll be no, there'll be nothing to write about anymore, man. That'll be, that'll be, that'll be the end of it. Yeah, well, Toledo's a twenty-eight and a half point favorite, so maybe I get your bets in. They didn't even lose by that much to us. But uh, Toledo is number twenty-two ranked, so that's quite an interesting one. I think the only competitive one that with two teams at the top of their respective divisions, Western Michigan and Ohio. Oh, who's got a really good defense? I would not be surprised. I mean, that game's in Athens, right? Yeah, it is. yeah that would not would not surprise me to see the Bobcats pull that one out. And that's who Chippewa fans had to root for, right? Well, based on what happened last week, yes. Yeah. So that'll be an interesting one. I think when I break down the MAC. I look at six teams at the top. Tell me if you think otherwise. I think Toledo and Bowling Green are up there for sure. Obviously. And you got Western Michigan. Mm-hmm. You. Um, so you got Toledo, Bowling Green, Western. I also think Ohio has is, is shown some. They are definitely in there. They're in the top. And then I got CMU and Northern Illinois as the last two. Would you say those are your top six teams? I would say so. I'd, I'd keep my eyes peeled for a Ball State. You know, maybe somebody else could pop through there, but it, it really is going to come down to Toledo and Bowling Green at the end. So I did some math, and uh, there's a, I'm looking at the games where those six teams, they face each other. So this week we got one. It's Western and Ohio. It's not, not a whole lot to, to talk about this week. Then you got next week. Let's see. There's not one. No, 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 no. So no, none of those top six teams play each other in week eight. It's like in week nine. Western and Eastern, no. Buffalo, Miami, no. CMU and Akron, no. Massachusetts, Ball State, nothing. We go to week 10. This is when it starts to get interesting. Yeah. I 
it's, it's action now. It's November. Action. Once it's November, though, I think that's when you guys start tuning in. NIU and Toledo, you have Ohio and Bowling Green. That's two of them. Um, we go to the next week. That's when we have CMU playing Toledo. So that'll be a good one. That's uh, Tuesday night action here from Kelly Short Stadium. Uh, we also have Bowling Green and Western Michigan. It's a huge game. It's a big one. You root for Bowling Green there if you're the Chippewas. You go the next week, week 12. It's another interesting one, Toledo and Bowling Green. And then you have Western Michigan, Northern Illinois. So that's another two games. And then I think we go to our final week. I think it is week 13. Yep. Uh, let's see. We have Ohio and Northern Illinois, Western Michigan, Toledo. So there's a lot of games, those final, I think, three or four weeks, there's some big matchups. Right now we only have maybe one for the next couple of weeks, but then once we get to action, it's going to be good. It's going to be a great time, and uh, CMU is just trying to keep its head above water so that it's in the mix come November. I think the most interesting part is, too, that um, all these teams have to face each other, but really CMU's only in one of those games. They right. play Toledo. So if those teams can beat up on each other and not one kind of rise to the top, at least in the West, I think that's... That works in CMU's favor, yeah. Going into November, some action. If they can take care of business, then they you never know what's going to happen. You never know, folks. I'm, I'm trying to figure out things. You never know. All these top six teams could lose this weekend, and it could be Buffalo or Bowling yep. Green, or I'm sorry, or Ball State at the top. So I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm interested <laughs> in digging through these schedules. I can tell. I think um, we're in uh, good shape for some some November action. We will have some. I think nope. the country's going to be interested, too. Yep. Any other action stuff you want to talk about? I don't think so, man. All right, let's go to the NCAA. Um, so the biggest game this week has to be UCLA-Stanford, right? Well, duh. Yeah, although, no, no. Okay, we got Michigan-Michigan State here. <laughs> what, what are you thinking? Uh, this has got to be an even. It's, it's Michigan-Michigan State, and then they're both top 15. I think people here for sure MSU, U of M. Yeah. If you're, if you're not employed at CM Life on Saturday, what are you watching? If I'm not employed at CM Life. You'll be employed, don't worry. There, there is no life that is not being employed at CM Life. Who, um, who, who would you watch if you you weren't covering the game? I mean, I'd definitely be at Kelly Short Stadium. I just think that most people are going to leave at halftime and go watch the CU of MSU game. Okay. Is that what you would do? Uh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now you can. I would... Venture to say, if it's cold enough, it's supposed to be a cold game. Um, you got Michigan, Michigan State. I think they have game day going there, too. This is going to be a crazy one. Bonamigo was talking about, I mean, obviously he's not going to say go home and watch the Michigan, Michigan State game, but it's his job not to say that. And he, why, would he, why would he say that? But he did say that's what phones are made for. What is it with you and the Bonamigo is obligated thing? He loves this place, and he doesn't want to be the rah rah fire of chips, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, we were talking about this, me uh, and the editor-in-chief and stuff about every week it seems like we're asking about Amigo, should they go? And of course he's going to say yes. Right. But also I think he, he has some passion there, and it's it's interesting, but he said something about, um, yeah, Chippewa fans should stay there for four quarters, but bring your phone so you could check the Michigan-Michigan State game right. uh, on your phone. That's what they were invented for, then go home and watch the next three quarters of that game. What do you make of that? It's kind of that's interesting, right? Yes, and it's a problem that only little mid-majors like us have. That's true. And I think if, if CMU was playing Western this weekend, then maybe it's a different story. It would be a completely different story. It'd be in Buffalo, and it's the last Saturday home game, so I don't know. So, turning to that Michigan-Michigan State game, Michigan's actually an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. That's crazy, since they're the lower-ranked team. What do you think of that matchup? Who do you, who do you have? <sighs> Michigan. 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 Why? Because Michigan State has played like crap all year. 